Jewel Radio presents What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler, usually here with Christine Bentley, but Christine is off this weekend. However, you will hear her pop up in a segment or two a little later in the show, which, of course, is brought to you tonight by Roar Publishing, from concept to content. Now, we are delighted you could join us this evening for what she said. I think all of our listeners know how supportive we are of young people, especially young women achieving their true potential. And we are also huge supporters of STEM. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. So we are going to be chatting with the founder of Hervolution. That's Doina Donchell, about what she is doing to empower young women in this field. Now, in an age of abundant porn, it's pretty much everywhere, Um, perhaps the art of burlesque seems old-fashioned to some, but there has been a definite rise in popularity of the art form, and we will be speaking to the creative director of a Toronto burlesque festival that's coming soon. Our musicologist, Eric Alper, is going to muse with us a little later in On the Record about musicians, some pretty famous ones, who made it later in life, the plus side of ageism. Alex, what do you, what do you consider over the hill? It used to be don't trust anyone over 30. Oh. Be careful. Over the hill? Um, be mm, careful. 65. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he's a very smart associate producer that we have here. Um, Now, I'm not sure if you've heard of a company called SOS for Kids, but one of the founders is going to be here to talk about what they offer to keep children safe, as well as the talk about tricky people. It used to be stranger danger. Did your did your parents tell you to stay away from strangers, guys? Mm Mm-hmm. We're talking to Alex and Angelo, our, our technical producer, Angelo, and our videographer and associate producer, Alex. But did you know, did you actually know what a stranger was? Yeah, like we were told in school and we had, mm-hmm. I had an instance where like one of my classmates, somebody pulled up and was like, your cat died and my mom wanted to, uh, your mom wanted me to tell you to get in the car. And he knew right away and ran back to the school and told the principal, but we were taught like. You were taught. Yeah, to mm-hmm. stay away. Were you? I was taught to stay away, and I had a moment where my mom probably thought I got, you know, picked up. It was three years old in Zellers, of all stores, and I wanted to go to the toy section, went to the toy section. Of course you did. And then I wandered off to the TV section, and I sat there and watched the Flintstones. My mom mom wasn't too pleased that, but she panicked when I was three. I have no idea, but now that I'm much older, I understand what. You know what they go through. What they were going through. Yeah, what I meant was it's not quite clear. You know, to me, it was never clear what a stranger was because you know somebody. They say most uh, abductions are actually from someone you know. So I think we needed to come up with a different word or how mm. people can lure you, teach kids about the you know your pet's dead or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to find out more about that. And fast-rising pop duo Tiger and Bloom are going to perform their brand new single, Hearts on Fire, in our live studio sessions. Don't forget to visit our website. You'll find 25% off Boomer Nutrition's energy protein powder, all kinds of other contests, blogs, great deals, information. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after the break to talk about tricky people. Stay with us. 
Adding some extra sparkle to your home is easy with Glass Lighting Gallery. Now with two locations to serve you, each featuring hundreds of in-stock pennants, lamps, and chandeliers to choose from. And both come with Glass Lighting Gallery's friendly staff that will help you find the perfect lighting solution for your home. It's bling for your home at Glass Lighting Gallery, 28 Commerce Park Drive in Barrie, and now open in Aurelia at the corner of Mississauga and West Street. Visit glasslightinggallery.ca. talked a lot on our show about why it is important to promote women in STEM fields. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. We've uh, spoken to Canada's science minister, Kirsty Duncan, about it. We've done numerous segments with our colleague, Chris Abel, about it. And this evening, we are delighted to welcome Doina Onchell from Hervolution. So welcome to What She Said. Thanks for having me. So tell us about your non nonprofit. Uh, so Hervolution is a nonprofit, and we focus on getting more girls in STEM. But our main focus is to go into the priority neighborhoods of Toronto for now to make sure that they have access to um, STEM fields. So they get um, they get introduced to a lot of you know workshops or camps or programs about science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and they get to learn more about it. So hopefully they get to choose that as a as a profession later on in life. So what prompted you to found this organization? I, um, funny enough, I'm actually a social worker by trade. So I've worked in, in a nonprofit world for about seven years before I started my own organization. And I have also been someone that have been in the system myself. I've, you know, I came to Canada, I was really young, I was 19. I was considered a youth at risk. Um, I was homeless three times in Canada. I was, um, um, Low income, I experienced domestic violence myself. I lived in a shelter with my kids. And no one has come to me when I was in the system or when I was actually someone that was working with people that were in the system like myself, mm -hmm. you know, with the opportunities that are available. And I felt that, you know, once I learned about um, STEM and how women are so underrepresented, I had this idea in my head and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice if somebody would uh, create this for people like that were like me to, you know, introduce them to STEM so that they can learn about it. And that's a way I found that it was a great way not just to um, close the gender gap in STEM, but also, you know, give some women opportunities, right? Some young women and people that come from low income, diverse backgrounds and people that don't generally get into this field. So uh, to me, it felt like it was a great solution to close the gender gap in STEM, but also help women that are, you know, um, are not served well, so to speak. Just veering from STEM for a moment, you're a sure. very strong advocate for violence against women. I am. I am. I, um, I saw a lot of violence back home in Romania, where I'm from. Uh, women have gone through, you know, the things that I've seen when I was a child, you know, I said to myself, I don't want ever that for myself or for my daughters, if I am to have any. And now I have two daughters. So and I felt, you know, I need to do something about it. You know, I've always had that strong, strong feeling that it's me that I has to change something, <laughs> you know. Well, why not you? Exactly. That's what my mentor always says. Why not you? Well, you're trying to empower marginalized girls through yes. STEM. How has the outcome been so far? We've been on, um, you know, Hervolution has been existing for about four years. 
And within this four years, with very limited funds and very limited resources, it's just the support of some other women in STEM, um, we impacted over 2,000 kids so far. We've done workshops, we've done camps, and we have one of our biggest supporters is actually Salesforce, and they, you know, we do a camp with them every summer to help 20 to 30 young women to learn about STEM, about coding, and you know, learn about technology in a very fun way. But, um, you know, also the programs that we run, they are in the community where nobody wants to go. So we go into the priority neighborhoods and we make sure that, you know, kids there have access to these workshops. And we bring as much as we can and we like to partner with as many, you know, STEM uh, corporations, STEM mm -hmm. businesses to, you know, to get into come in and give back because it's so important. Is it just in the GTA right now? For now. Hopefully mm -hmm. we're going to go Canada-wide. We have actually people in, in BC, people in New Brunswick, people in Quebec, and they say, when are you going to bring Revolution here? So it's just let us build some roots here, some foundation here, and then we're going to move forward. We, we, as you know, love to promote women in STEM here. And you mm -hmm. started a social media campaign. Yes. Which did the same thing. Tell everyone a little bit. So... Having been doing this for four years and trying to talk to parents of young women about, you know, you need to get your girls in STEM. And they say, why? You know, there's a need for women in STEM, but also opportunities are available. And, you know, and some other women, some other young girls that we helped, they said, you know, is there somebody else like me that does it? Yes, there is. But I didn't really have enough facts about it. So what I thought is, you know, Canada turns 150. And... Uh, you know, we're talking a lot about a lot of initiatives, but I thought this would be a great opportunity to find at least 150 Canadian women in STEM from Canada-wide, you know, to promote them, to have a list of database of those women. And not, you know, we get to find out about the, the women that are doing this, but also the opportunities that are available in STEM. So we just decided, um, we created a committee. So we decided actually in January, let's just do this. In February, we put out a nomination form on February 1st. And on February 14, we added the, um, you know, the women, we start featuring them on, on our Instagram account. And um, we thought we're not going to have enough women, but women have been nominated from across Canada. And the beauty of it was some men actually nominated women too. And I Aww. thought that was really exciting to see, you know, their coworkers or, you know, someone that have impacted their life. So it was really interesting to see. Now we are going to um, help you as a media sponsor. We're, we're putting this segment yes. out for you. It's going to be on video everywhere. But this is all about what's coming up on October the 14th, the yes. conference. Yes. So once we had this online campaign to feature women in STEM, I've um, learned a lot about women in STEM. I've been doing this for four years. And I saw, you know, especially in the United States, I've seen there's a lot of list of women in STEM. Like there's a list there, you know, there's women that are featured. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to actually, you know, have some of those women that we have featured and bring them to life in a room where they get to talk about the experience as a woman in STEM. Mm -hmm. So on October 14, we will have a, um, we'll have a, a conference. And what we decided to do is um, 10 women will have, you know, have you heard of ten TED Talks? Yeah. yeah. So we thought, let's just create some STEM Talks. So for 15 minutes, each woman will have, you know, the opportunity to talk about her experience, you know, how she got into STEM, 
what kept her there, because it's very important to understand why do women stay there and how do we help other women, you know, learn that they can actually stay in STEM. And um, some advice that they have for the young generation, the women to, you know, to get in STEM, but also for the industry at large. Like what, as a woman in STEM that you have been there for a while, what advice do you have for the industry to help promote diversity and also, you know, include more women in STEM? And how do we keep them there? So I'm sure they have a lot of, uh, a lot of things to say. And then the panel will be about five women and those five women, you know, the, the panel discussion will be directed by the audience. So the audience will get the chance to ask the questions. Who's welcome to attend? I would love to see some young women in the audience. You know, grade 11, 12 young girls are interested in mm -hmm. getting into STEM before they get to choose a college or university degree, as well as women that are in, already in, in college or university, but also women in STEM, as well as men. I would like to see some men in the audience so that they can be part of that solution as well. How do you get invited? I mean, do you get invited? Can you buy tickets? How, do, yes. how does... We have an online, um, an online uh, event page. So um, people can go to bit.ly slash stemming up. S-T-E-M-M-I-N-G. And how many people can go? About 140 people. Okay. We'd like to see as many people as possible. So if we get 140 people in the room, it would be great. So what do you hope will happen at this conference? What will it accomplish? The conference was designed to bring some strategies and tools for women and for the people in the audience to walk away with some ideas on how to get into STEM, how to stay in STEM, and how do we change the ratio for women in STEM, as well as include diversity in STEM. I think diversity is very important, and we need to talk about it, but also do something about it, so the women in the, in the audience, as well as um, women that will speak, will have this. I hope you're going to tell your story about how you came and why you started this. Yeah, I, I, I always like to give the space to other women to speak. So when my time comes, then I, I will speak. But uh, I like think this is a good opportunity for is... me to talk about me. But <laughs> <laughs> <this> <laughs> uh, it's great. I mean, it's such, um, it's such a great Canadian story, just thank all you. around. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. Do you know someone with tingling, numbness, or pain in their hands or feet? Do you know someone with poor balance, difficulty walking, or at risk of falling? These may be symptoms of nerve damage caused by diabetes. Nutarnic Essentials Diabetic Neuropathy Supplement is targeted nutritional therapy for the maintenance of your health. Developed by Dr. Evan Lewis, an expert on nerve health and regeneration. Learn how to optimize your health today at Nutarnic.com. That's N-U-T-A-R-N-I-Q.com. 
Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. The art of burlesque is perhaps considered old-fashioned in the day and age of stripping and abundant porn, but it has seen a resurgence in popularity. And coming up is the 10th annual Toronto Burlesque Festival. It features burlesque artists from across the globe. Joining us this evening is Coco Framboise, the creative director of the Toronto Burlesque Festival. Welcome to What She Said. Well, thank you for having me. Now, before we get to the actual festival, let's first touch on why burlesque has been controversial. Well, I think what makes uh, this art form controversial is is the the nudity aspect mm-hmm. of it. Although burlesque, uh, the burlesque revival, typically we do not see full nudity. It's it's very 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 rare that anyone would actually um, expose anything, and is it's generally frowned upon. But I think that um, all humans are quite curious about the human body, and we're a little bit afraid of it as well, and so. Um, I think that's what makes it controversial for people to uh, think of themselves as coming to an audience where there will be a level of nudity on stage. I think people have that push and pull within themselves as to whether or not it's Mm -hmm. okay at first. Mm -hmm. And then once they come and see what's on stage, they, they tend to have a very different opinion. Well, I, I love burlesque. I, I've been as to, do I. <laughs> <laughs> as I've been to the festival. I have seen it in Europe. I have seen it in Las Vegas. I have seen it in New Orleans. Um, and you know, my husband and I really enjoy going and watching. And for me, it's the art form. It's sort of the um, being covered is more uh, tantalizing than than full nudity to us. And it's the dance and the performance aspect. So, how would you explain to someone? how and why it's different from stripping? Well, I think that uh, these these two art forms, I think that exotic dance is very different and tends to have a bit of a different purpose and it's, mm-hmm. it, serves, um, it serves a different audience for different reasons. I tend to find that burlesque has more in common with theater, um, although I don't distance myself from exotic dance um, brothers and sisters. I just think that this particular art form, we are um, able to respond almost immediately to changes in what's going on in the news, uh, almost like almost as quickly as, say, stand-up comedy can. We are able to address issues. We can be satirical. We can be cheeky. We can be provocative um, erotically. We can be provocative politically. And... Many artists are using all of those ways to to communicate, to express, to enjoy sexuality, to challenge uh, outdated social ideas. And I think it's a it's a really important and vivid art form, as well as being incredibly entertaining and and sometimes quite sexy and inclusive and inclusive. Yes. So we, we end up seeing so many different body types, so many different genders. Um, I I tend to find that it's very welcoming. 
of, of all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. I think I was, you know, to be truthful, I was surprised to see some um, more voluptuous uh, women up there. But I enjoyed their performances because I thought, well, that could be me <laughs> because I, I related to that. I think it's really important to see all kinds of bodies, um, bodies that are abled, bodies that are differently abled. Um, I think it's important to see all different kinds of bodies, to, to be able to see ourselves mm -hmm. and um, and to see the, the the diversity of life on stage. And, and it helps people develop an acceptance of themselves. Absolutely. So this resurgent in, in interest um, over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, where do you think it's most pronounced? North America, Europe? Um, I think... I think definitely, uh, as somebody who's toured around the world, I've mm -hmm. I've participated in shows across Europe, across North America, and Australia, and I, I have found that the scenes are are all extremely vivid in all of those places. I haven't had an opportunity to visit Asia or South America yet, or to see what is happening in the African scene, but I know that those scenes are also um, quite busy. Are younger dancers um, interested in learning this art? Dancers of all ages are interested in learning this art. Mm -hmm. well, well, that's good. So let's tell us about the festival and what you hope to achieve in terms of diversity, body, positive, body positivity, and an inclusive definition of beauty. I really invite people to come and, and witness um, the spectrum of what we have to offer. There are so many different body types present in our casting this year. Um, and we strive to have diversity all years. Um, this year, our lead show um, is a retrospective, looking back on iconic works. But in the festival proper from July 20th to 23rd, we're moving through uh, our first show offers a little bit of a sample of everything that the other shows have to offer. Um, and the following shows, we move from work that is really campy and uh, provocative, witty, innovative, to stuff that is more classically gorgeous. You know, the costume operas, the big props, everything dripping in rhinestones, uh, to work that is quite challenging, that will discomfort people. And I think it, it provides an interesting um, roller coaster of experiences. And if people um, are willing to come on this journey with us, I think they'll find that that there is a lot of beauty in the world. And the more you see, the more you're able to see. And I think that, I believe that the more we are able to appreciate beauty in each other, the the kinder people become. So it's, it's a four-day um, extravaganza. It is. So if you have never seen burlesque before, would you say the retrospective show would be the one to start with? I would say that our opening night on July 20th would be a great place to start because that show um, shows a little bit of everything. It shows more seasoned artists. So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it shows more seasoned artists. It shows brand new artists. It shows a variety of styles. That, that particular show is really a tapas platter of what can be expected across uh, the rest of the programming. Mm -hmm. And that is a, is a great introduction. What's your style? Um, my style has evolved over the years. I started out primarily as a, as a classic burlesque artist. So I was using a lot of um, ostrich feather fans, a lot of 
um, corsets and rhinestones. Uh, I One of my signature pieces is dancing on top of a giant candy apple. People see that image from me a lot. And I love that prop. And it is so much fun to dance on that prop. Um, and over time, as, as I've evolved as a performer and just as a woman, I have a lot more to say. So my pieces... Um, my portfolio now includes works that are that are quite political. Um, some pieces are are quite pointed, and some are silly and madcap. Um, I allow myself a lot of room to play. So, and and it's not risk free. Tell us about what happened on 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 stage at a recent festival. Uh, there was an artist who came up on stage. Her name is Obscura, and she was performing. Just the most decadent, classic fan dance with a gorgeous headdress. She came out on stage and early on in her number, she dislocated her shoulder right on stage. But somehow had the commitment to continue her piece and make it look like nothing had happened. And there were a couple of us who knew that perhaps something was a little bit off. But she completed this gorgeous, gorgeous work. And it was breathtaking. Came off stage and we whisked her away in an ambulance. <laughs> the show must go on. The show must go on. That is absolute commitment. So um, where can people find out more and buy tickets? People can find out more by visiting torontoburlesquefestival.com. You can see a comprehensive schedule of all of our shows as well as our workshops and after parties. Um, we have classes with a number of the star faculty and so that's a really exciting opportunity that happens only once a year. Oh, so you can take a class. You, you could, I could I could maybe learn? Yes, of course you can learn. I mean, there are classes all, all year in Toronto, various places. But this particular workshop series is called Burlesque University. And you have an opportunity to learn with some of our stars, including Hard and Ready, one of the kings of Boylesque, for all, coming, Boylesque. All the, coming all the way from Munich, Germany. So that will be an extremely rare opportunity. Well, I mean, I'm definitely coming. So please I, do. We're I, excited absolutely. to have you. I wouldn't miss it for the world. So thank you, Coco, so thank much. Thank you for, so much, Kate. And this is what she said. Stay with us. Adding some extra sparkle to your home is easy with Glass Lighting Gallery. Now with two locations to serve you, each featuring hundreds of in-stock pennants, lamps, and chandeliers to choose from. And both come with Glass Lighting Gallery's friendly staff that will help you find the perfect lighting solution for your home. It's bling for your home at Glass Lighting Gallery, 28 Commerce Park Drive in Barrie, and now open in Aurelia at the corner of Mississauga and West Street. Visit glasslightinggallery.ca. What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35-plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. I never give up. Nothing makes you happy. 
that always makes me happy to say. Joining us now is musicologist Eric Alper for On the Record. And this week, Eric is talking about five musicians who made it later in life. Now, Eric, what do you consider later in life? Uh, anybody over the age of 21. 21? No, no. That's no, that would be, that I am would be, so old. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what probably makes a lot of people happy listening to this is that I don't get to sing in this segment, which is great. <laughs> so I'm like 47, so I think that, well, I still have potentially five years left to become a recording artist and a superstar, even though I can't sing or play an instrument or be in the studio whatsoever. So <laughs> I'm kind of hedging my bets. But that was, of course, Cheryl Crow. And she was 32, which doesn't sound old, but it kind of is with the younger generation and the up and coming. Because rock and roll is usually a young person's game. But it wasn't for a lack of trying. Not only was she a school teacher, but she wrote jingles for advertising agencies. She was also a backup vocalist for Michael Jackson's Bad World Tour in the late 80s. And she also sung with Don Henley and Belinda Carlisle and Stevie Wonder. But it wasn't until 1992 when she recorded her first album that was later shelved by the record label and Cheryl because it didn't sound perfect. A couple of years later, she ended up with the Tuesday Music Club, which sold millions of copies around the world. And she was 32, a little bit older than most when it comes to having their first success. who broke out last year and that is Rachel Platten. She was 34 when her major label debut and that song Fight Club broke in success. This was a cool story because she struggled for years to try to become a successful singer-songwriter performer and nothing would hit. So in a bout of frustration, she decided to give herself one last shot of writing a song, a song about never giving up and that's where Fight Song came into play. It hit the Billboard Hot 100's Top 10 and also was used by Hillary Clinton as a campaign song. Talk about your passion. That's what they say. That's what it is. Exactly. You write what you know. It may sound absurd, but don't be naive. Even heroes have the right to bleed. I may be disturbed, but won't you concede? Even heroes have the right to dream, and it's not easy. John Andrasik was 35 years old. He's best known for naming himself Five for Fighting, which is named after a hockey term, of course. John, for not necessarily a lack of trying, he decided to sing opera for a little bit. He graduated from university from UCLA, actually with a degree in applied science and mathematics before turning into music full time. And of course, his massive hit, Superman, It's Not Easy, hit the top 10, but at the ripe old age of 35. Maths and music, they go together. That's right. If, if you can figure out, if you're great in math, music seems to come natural because that's all it is. It's notes, it's repetition, it's addition, subtraction. It's all of those things. I, I'm not either of those I'm things. I'm not either of those things either, <laughs> which is why we're on the radio. <laughs> Time to say goodbye.
<laughs> Didn't I sound great? Okay, so you say this name better better than anybody else I've heard say it. Andrea Bocelli. That's amazing. But say it like with with like Andrea Bocelli. Oh, yeah. see. <laughs> oh, we're gonna that and that involves this, and that ends this segment of it. Um, but um, he was 34 when his debut album came out. But it wasn't until his third album that had worldwide success, which cracked the top 10 in 10 countries. And since then, he's released 15 solo albums, all of them that hit the top five on the classical charts around the world. So he was 41 when he started to break big. Four, the fifth. The minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay, so if you're a Canadian and you're listening to this, you're probably saying, no way. But if you're an American, you probably don't realize that Leonard Cohen was 33 when he put out his debut album and didn't really break a big until 17 years later when Hallelujah hit. So he was 50 when he started to become the worldwide phenomenon, the worldwide success that I think people outside of Canada seem to think. But in Canada, we've probably known about him since his mid-30s. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, and loved him always and took took the albums with me when I went to Australia, took them with me when I went back to England. So, you know, I was spreading the word early. <laughs> you were the reason why he, Absolutely. he, he broke around the world. Of course. <laughs> so Leonard Cohen was 50 when he broke big with Hallelujah, which still gives me three years to create a worldwide dominant song beloved by everybody and after this segment i'm going to start to write it well if you just put it on twitter you have your million followers you'll be all good thanks eric (laughs) we will chat with you next week eric alper is brought to you by roar records download the new single rise based on the heroic story of olympian and pan am medalist jessica phoenix At the end of July, a book is coming out called Glorious and Free, The Canadians. It profiles 33 Canadians who exemplify the spirit of freedom and creativity to achieve their Canadian dream. One of the profiles included in this book is Matthew Romeo, known as DJ Romeo, and he is with us in studio now. Welcome to What She Said. Hey, thank you, Kate. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And that's right, you know, DJ Romeo, a.k.a. Matthew Romeo. Well, that's awesome. You you are Canada's longest-running hip-hop radio show host and DJ for Drake's OVO Bounce, Microsoft, Warner Brothers, Michael Jordan, Toronto Raptors. It's a long list there, Matthew. <laughs> long time coming. But yeah, but this was a long time coming for you because what I understand is that at one point you were homeless. Yeah. That's, true. That's how, true. How did that happen? Uh, well, you know, it's an interest. It's an interesting story, and I mean, I don't want to like take up too much time, but like, it's an interesting story. I kind of, when I was younger, I'm, I'm still young. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all, Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> but like, when I was re- much younger, you know, I made this plan, this ten-year plan, that I wanted to kind of just see if I could do it, you know. And moving to Toronto was part of that plan. 
And, uh, you know, my mom would always say, like, hey, save money, this, that, or whatever. But, you know, who listens to parents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you need to listen. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I didn't do none of the saving or nothing. I just thought, like, you know, I moved to a different city. I didn't think that you had to pay bills and all these different things. So, uh, you know, the first three years, I moved, I moved to Toronto with a dollar and 11 cents, two bags of clothes, nowhere to live, but a burning desire to hit my end goal. So, you know, I was just like, I'm doing it either way. I could have went back home, but like, nah. Nah. So you, you spent some time at Remix, the Youth Mentorship Center. Do you Remix think? Remix Project, yeah. Do they, did that help set you up for your success now? Uh, there's a lot in between that, but I'll say this, like, uh, you know, like sometimes we get unmotivated and like from being home, like being homeless or whatever, mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to ask people for help. So right. uh, I kind of gave myself like three options mm-hmm. and Remix was the last one. And I'm happy I did that option first because, you know, uh, this guy by the name of Ricky, you know, he acknowledged me as a human being which for, like, the last few few years at that time, people weren't really acknowledging me. And that two-minute conversation changed my whole perspective into being positive. So that's what I got to give to, like, re- Remix and, most importantly, most importantly to me, Ricky, you know, for acknowledging me as a person. So That's cool. So what sparked your decision from an early age to pursue music? What Like, what was it about music that you wanted to be part Ooh. of this? All right, so... I mean, I started DJing when I was like nine, nine, ten, and uh, to speed that up. <laughs> I don't drink and I don't smoke. Well, I don't drink often. I don't smoke. I don't mm-hmm. take no drugs, nothing like that. And kind of like through high school, I used to do school parties. Mm-hmm. So I noticed like I have a skill that I'm grateful to have, and I'm able to influence people <laughs> to come to parties and like have fun. So I'm just like, man, this is like. If I keep building on my brand as DJ Romeo or now Matthew Romeo with my motive of being able or wanting to inspire people to be great, I can use this tool that I have a good skill in, which is DJ, to build that influence. And then as in that 10-year plan, I was saying, flip it and then use that influence to inspire people to be like, hey. Pass it on. You know, go make something happen for yourself. So what does the future look like for Matthew (laughs) Romeo? Uh, as bright as your smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bright. <laughs> no, for real, for real. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I look at it. That's a that's an interesting question because like I don't really live in like time. I live in moments, and I, I'm I'm gonna say this like whatever, whatever the path that's kind of in the future. That moment. That's how I look at the future. If I'm able to help someone to just be better or know that it's possible, that's the future that I want to see. Well, you certainly sound like you should be in this book. And, and what do you feel that this book wants to communicate about what it is to be Canadian? Show people that you could go up there and kick ass and make it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, like your, I like your style. So so the book, again, it, it's called Glorious and Free, The Canadians. Yep. And and we are, you know, glorious and free. That's our that's in our that's in our national anthem. It's true. That's true. If we could just get rid of, you know, the bad summer weather, <laughs> it, would, it would all be good. Miss. Uh, absolutely. So uh, how do people connect with you, follow you on social media? Uh, you can hit me. My handle is It's Matthew Romeo. So I-T-S 
M-A-T-T-H-E-W-R-O-M-E-O. And you can check out my website, MatthewRomeo.com. Okay, we will do so. Thank you very much for coming in and talking to us at What She Said, Matthew. Thank you guys, or thank you ladies for having me. (laughs) (laughs) This is What She Said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. You're listening to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use on Jewel Radio. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the Well, school is out and the kids are on fire. Full summer mode, and that includes playing with friends and generally enjoying some much sought after freedom. Without trying to turn them into bubble kids, we parents and grandparents know the world is not what it used to be, and we need to have the talk. So, joining us this evening is Velma Ganassini, one of the co founders of SOS for Kids. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, tell us a little bit about SOS for, for Kids, how you got started. Yeah. Um, well, the company started in 2004, and it was after we had purchased a backyard pool, and I had young children. I had a toddler who uh, was known for escaping all the time. So um, we put some extra security or safety measures in place, including extra fencing and chimes on the door. And then I went back and uh, did my uh, NLS, my lifeguarding and swim instructor with 14, 15, (laughs) 16-year-olds. And uh, from there, I just noticed that there was a lack of good programming, good quality programming for kids to teach them about uh, safety and to prepare them to protect themselves. So what does SOS for Kids do? We create curriculum, uh, safety education curriculum, that we use ourselves. We run our programming in uh, the GTA, and we have partners that... uh, Uh, We have right across Canada, uh, usually municipalities, departments of parks and recreation, YMCAs, uh, first aid training organizations, uh, ECE organizations, and they also run our programming and offer it directly to their own community. Hmm. So now, uh, so what is My Safe Life? My Safe Life is a program for seven to nine-year-olds. One of the major focuses of the programming is people safety. It is a comprehensive safety program, but we've developed these wonderful, we're really proud of the program. It's a fairly new program, 
visual tools to help children learn to protect themselves. So we give them tools, and then we get them to practice those tools. I found um, my my daughters are uh, 22 and 21 now, but I found that there was a very fine line growing up between making them feel safe and terrifying them about the big wide world. So how did how do you find that line? I have the same problem, Kate. I, my <laughs> oldest one is 24. My youngest is 16. Um, and as parents, it's our job to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's our job to raise independent and exactly yeah. responsible kids. And we can still do both. You have to sort of take a common sense approach and a balance down the middle and uh, yes, watch your kids, know where they are all the time. If they're at a friend's house, know the friend, know the parents. If they're at a program, parents should be doing their due diligence and making sure that the program has vetted their staff, that their staff have criminal checks. Um, and then at the same time, you're letting them go on their own mm-hmm. and you've given them the key messages. Hopefully they'll listen. They don't always listen. You know what kids are. You know what your kids were like. I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But I also remember what I was like. I used to sit when I was eight years old. We used to play on the railroad tracks, the tracks that cross um, Mount Pleasant. Oh, no. Yes, across Mount Pleasant, the bridge that crosses Mount Pleasant. Familiar with that. We used to sit on the edge of that bridge and drop eggs on cars. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you believe it? But not once. Uh, no, the the edges. I've gone back and looked at it. Six inches that ledge. Not once in two all summer, two or three months, did any adult stop underneath us. Now this was like nineteen sixty. 69, right? Not, not once did anybody stop us or get out and say, are you guys crazy? Or we used to put pennies on the train tracks. I mean, we used to jump from garage roof to garage roof in Rosedale. I mean, we were just, we were having a great time. Oh, it sounds but, like but it. But we were, we were terrible kids. I mean, we were just, I was, you know, hanging with the boys and this is what they did. And now um, if I see a young person doing something stupid. I'm the old curmudgeon that gets out of my car and says, what are you, nuts? Do you not realize what could happen? I mean, we could have fallen onto the onto that road way underneath. Mm-hmm. So how do you, I mean, you want to give them the freedom. You don't want to, as we said, bubble wrap the kids. You want them to go out mm-hmm. and play. But my, if my mother had known that that's what we were doing, she would have been mortified. I would have been grounded and I would have probably been had my bum slapped. But... You know, she she didn't know. It was like we used to be go out and play, come back when the streetlights go out. Right? So, so I would ask you, Kate, did you at that time recognize that those were dangerous situations? Um, I recognized that jumping from garage roof to garage roof was dangerous when when one of my cohorts fell through the roof and okay. landed on somebody's Jaguar. <laughs> and then that finally stopped. That was we were caught doing that. But no, like playing around the train tracks and stuff like that. It was just what kids did then. Yeah, it is. It is. And a lot of kids today do that too. The difference I think today is that we have a lot more education and knowledge as parents as well with a lot of nonprofit organizations out there that mm-hmm. provide material and research and studies. And uh, since we know so much more, um, I think our kids are better prepared nowadays or understand a lot of those dangerous situations that when we were younger, we didn't. We didn't. And uh, parents didn't harp on that. You just let your kids out in the community. As long as you generally knew where they were, um, mm-hmm. that was okay. And there's also now we have cell phones. 
we have devices where we can, I mean, even through the teen years, it was if I text you and I don't hear back from you in 15 minutes, I'm coming to find what park you're at partying at. So I'm coming to get you. So, and then they would start to tell me, I'm getting on the subway so you can't hear me. I, I won't get anything for 15 minutes. But that's made such a difference in relations. But then people worry about giving their kids a phone too early. Mm-hmm. Peace of mind. The phone does give peace of mind to a lot of parents. As long as, again, the kids understand the dangers of, of using a cell phone, because that, that comes with its own concerns, <laughs> online safety and uh, whether mm-hmm. they're prepared. And, and, you know, as parents, we want to continuously give them the key messages. I'm sure you did, Kate, when you had kids that age. Uh, remind them whether they listen or not is a different story. And, you know, they might be hearing, wow, 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 the the parent deaf child. And what our courses do is help parents uh, reinforce those key messages. And we hear this all the time from parents who send the kid, their kids to our courses is they won't listen to me, but they'll listen to, to you, you, a complete stranger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So now what I found it very difficult, the word I hated most was stranger, because um, historically we know that most um, abuse of children happens from someone they know that is not a stranger. Mm -hmm. So what are your tips for explaining that to a child without terrifying them of every, you know, strange uncle and aunt that's in the family? No, you're right. (laughs) So confusing for, for children, a stranger, when you think about it, this whole stranger danger message Uh, and don't talk to strangers, we talk to strangers every single day. We're polite Canadians. Exactly. Polite Canadians. So to tell a child, give a child a message of do not talk to strangers is ridiculous because it's confusing. So we've developed or used the term tricky people to better help children identify um, what uh, a dangerous person might look like. A dangerous person develops tricks or lures to, to fool a child. Help and me find my pets. Exactly. Or even nowadays, recently, uh, I don't know if you heard of the situation in Burlington a couple of weeks ago, where there was um, a man who pulled into a school parking lot just before school ended, and he had a remote control car and was playing it in the parking lot. And uh, two boys came up to him, 10-year-old boys, 10, 11-year-old boys, came up to him, very interested in the remote control car. Why not? That's that's a red flag. That's a lure. How appropriate is it for a 40-year-old man to play with a remote control car in the parking lot of a school? Uh, And that's the type of information we want kids to identify as red flags. Unfortunately, these children did go up and speak to the man, and that's what concerns me the most as an educator, a safety educator, is that they didn't even consider the potential risks there. Well, my mom always used to say with my two young girls, she said, you know, having them play around like splash pads and things in public parks, she said, like, nightmare. Well, there was something recently on an Oakville mom's chat three, four days ago where a mom had seen a man taking photographs of children in the splash pad, uh, prepubescent girls specifically. And her post online was, you know, what do we do? And if you see this guy, what do you do? And a lot of parents responded, oh, I'm going to go up and punch him in the face. Well, that's not the best response. Yes, no. And and, and you could be arrested yes, exactly. <laughs> for doing something exactly. like that. Okay, so so the courses then, you're, you also offer social media savvy courses and – Do you offer courses for parents as well as kids? We get asked this all the time. We're not, 
we did try to start something for with uh, the town of Oakville, uh, but there wasn't enough interest by parents. And we hear this all the time from parents, and maybe we just haven't hit the right tool. We're thinking about the best way to reach them, uh, and hopefully it'll come in time. But right now we're just focusing on children. We do have a program for youth and adults with developmental disabilities that we worked on with uh, Community Living Burlington that uses a lot of our uh, teaching techniques in order to reach that, that audience, that demographic. So what, um, what would you say is the key message that, you're, that you would like all parents to get mm-hmm. through to their children about mm-hmm. safety? Uh, that kids have rights. They have the right to be safe and that kids need to understand that so that if they are um, hurt or feel uncomfortable or threatened, that they have the right to get help from an adult. So when kids understand that, then they can absorb some of the safety messages we give them. We teach them six safety rules. Let's see how how good I am at remembering (laughs) these six safety rules. Uh, Check first with an adult. So that's a really good message is always get permission. Never go anywhere with anyone without getting permission first. Mm -hmm. Stay alert. Know what's around you. That means no texting when walking, no headphones listening to music. Know what's around you. The next one is be assertive and set your boundaries. Say no if you're not comfortable. Uh, And we say also if you're walking home and a vehicle pulls up alongside you, stay at least five steps back. Absolutely. Keep your distance so that you can't get grabbed. And then have a buddy system. Always have uh, another person with you, another child, an adult, a babysitter, uh, so that you can protect each other and help each other when need be. And don't keep unsafe secrets. Unsafe secrets are one of the tricks that tricky people use in order to lure kids in. You might give, um, you might find that a tricky person will give a gift or something that that child really wants, mm-hmm. and tell them to keep it a secret. That's a red flag. Mm-hmm. And then finally, our four uh, words: no, go, yell, tell. Uh, four simple words that are easy for children to remember, and they tell the child how to respond, what to do if they ever find themselves in a situation where they need help. Say no, go, Go, get get the heck out of there. Exactly. Yell, Yell. fight, scream if you feel threatened, and go tell an adult. All right, Thelma, this is uh, really something I think all all parents uh, will be interested in and find useful. Tell everyone where they can connect with you if they want information or to sign up for the courses. Safetycoursesforkids.com. And one of our programs, HomeAloneSafetyCourse.com, will be online in August, where they can get a lot of this information as well at the tip of their fingertips. Absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you very much for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. Do you know someone with tingling, numbness, or pain in their hands or feet? Do you know someone with poor balance, difficulty walking, or at risk of falling? These may be symptoms of nerve damage caused by diabetes. Nutarnic Essentials Diabetic Neuropathy Supplement is targeted nutritional therapy for the maintenance of your health. Developed by Dr. Evan Lewis, an expert on nerve health and regeneration. Learn how to optimize your health today at Nutarnic.com. That's N-U-T-A-R-N-I-Q.com.
What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. And now, more women-positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. And how can we live with our hearts on fire? Caught in the flames, burning higher and higher. We're gonna run with nowhere to hide. We're gonna run with nowhere to hide. Welcome back to What She Said. They say opposites attract. Some believe it, some don't. But Canadian pop duo Tiger and Bloom definitely do. Welcome, Tiger Rose and Ricky Bloom, to the show, What She Said. Thanks for having us. And we also have Steve. We should Steve. we shouldn't leave out Steve. Yeah. He just says he's just the, Steve. The one and only. <laughs> now, we just heard a, a little bit of your brand new single Hearts on Fire from your EP of the same name. And so both of you got together in what 2015 after pursuing independent careers and you wanted to try something new. Tell us about that. Yeah, we were um, kind of just looking for something different. Like you said we were doing uh, just our own solo stuff. Um, and then I guess Jay, you were in LA doing your own solo stuff and kind of just shot me a message on Facebook saying, hey, like, let's write, let's get together, try something out. Yeah, I um, was I was doing the hard rock thing for years, um, touring in a band, um, toured with Kiss nationally across Canada and was living a crazy life. And, and I got to the point where I started to l- not enjoy the, the process anymore. And I started to reflect my own art and... Um, wanted to get better at my craft, mm-hmm. didn't want to be the opening act. And I, I, you know, I came to this self-realization that I needed to get a lot better at what I was doing. So I booked it to Los Angeles and started to get into you know, studios with some really great, talented people that I could learn from. And uh, in that process, I connected with Heather um, Bloom, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you've, you've both let your real name slip. Yeah. I'll have yeah, you know. Yeah, no, we're, just, we're not good at this. Um, <laughs> we, we connected and it was just, there was no expectations. It was really just to fall in love with songwriting yeah, again. Exactly. And, and we both knew of each other through the music community. Yeah. Okay, so what's one word you would both use to describe each other? You start, oh. Bloom. For, mm, for Tiger, I'd say intense in like every aspect of the word. Okay, and um, Tiger? Inspiring. Aw, isn't that nice? Well, you're currently working towards the international release of your debut EP and a supporting cross-country tour. Quickly tell people what your website is so people can find all your links. Tigerandbloom.com. That was so easy. easy. (laughs) Tigerandbloom.com. Thank you very much for joining us this weekend at What She Said. You can join us next Saturday and Sunday at 10 p.m. And, of course, follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. Dot com is the website. Now here are Tiger and Bloom performing Hearts on Fire. Take yeah. away, guys. One, two, 
With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. A fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. A fire, aye, aye. Maybe I'm a little crazy, but lately you break me. What can I do? Addicted to this high you give me, completely consuming. Lost without you. And how can we live with our hearts on fire? Caught in the flames, burning higher and higher. We're gonna run with nowhere to hide. We're gonna run with nowhere to hide. How can we live with our hearts on fire? Caught in the flames, burning higher and higher. We're gonna run with nowhere to hide until we die. Until we die. Like we were young, we were young, and we were reckless. So in love, so in love, but we were just kids. We were young, so in love, we didn't see it coming to an end. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. When I fall into the darkness, my heart aches so hopeless. I can't break these chains. So pull me deep into the madness, the chaos, the sadness. You're the drug in my veins. How can we live with our hearts on fire? Caught in the flames, burning higher and higher. We're gonna run with nowhere to hide. We're gonna run until we die. We were young, we were young, and we were reckless. So in love, so in love, but we were just kids. We were young, so in love, we didn't see it coming to an end. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. A fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. A fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. A fire, aye, aye. A fire, 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 fire. A fire, 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 fire. So in love, so in love. We were young, so in love. We didn't see it coming to an end. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. With our hearts on fire, aye, aye. Fire, aye, aye. With a hot song, ba, ah, ah,
kids and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.